When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Jaybird Watching. We got all sorts of fun for you here this evening. Brendan Panikar and I have a special guest. Brendan, who you want to mention? Who we have joining us this evening for a few minutes here in a little excerpt. Yeah, Kendall Williams, the second round pick of the Toronto Blue Jays, was kind enough to give us 10 to 15 minutes of his time today to uh, basically give you a sneak peek into what to expect. I know when. Uh, some of you go through and listen to that interview. We kept it short. We kept it quick. Wanted to respect his time. We're classy here on Jaybird Watching. Uh, but, yeah, uh, great kid. I'm really excited for people to listen to that interview and get to know him a little bit. And He, he sure sounds stoked to be a Toronto Blue Jay, I can tell you that much. Yeah, and, and not to mention it sounds like a strong individual to have in our system one way or the other. The I won't preview too much to you here, everybody, but it, we got some good stories out of Kendall Williams while we had him for a quick 10 minutes. And you'll get to listen to that here right after we uh, talk about our trip, Brendan. You know, we had a wonderful weekend here in Buffalo, New York. A little sunburned after yesterday, but I, that's about the worst thing I can mention about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, other than uh, staying out kind of late on Saturday night and having a lot to drink, which I think was kind of expected, but maybe not to the level we decided to indulge in. <laughs> yeah, sunburn. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling it right now, but... Uh, Oh, it was a good time, man. It uh, worked out well. It's pretty much the exact halfway point between Toronto and Rochester to meet up. Caught two Bisons games, got some Buffalo Wings, and had a great time. And met a whole bunch of uh, awesome uh, Twitter followers who are hopefully listening to this episode as well. Yeah, I hope that we have some new friends and family here that will obviously be joining us on the show on future dates. But out of your takeaways for what we could have seen over this weekend, other than your actual physical takeaway of your new Vladimir Guerrero Jr. bobblehead doll that I already have tweeted out to where it's found its wonderful home on my mantle next to my Lansing Lugnuts autographed hat. (laughs) (laughs) What else did you, um, from what we saw on the field, do you have any big takeaways that you would like to discuss, my friend? Boba is the real deal, and people should get excited about him. I know that's an easy, low-hanging fruit, but I know he didn't do too much on the Saturday night when we were at the game against uh, the Columbus Clippers, 
but I'm but pretty yeah, sure none of them did. major league pitchers. Exactly, yeah, none of them did anything. Sean Mormondo was all right on the mound, but uh, Bo Bichette hitting that triple uh, later in the ball game to score to run uh, was uh, just gives you a little bit of uh, hope and insight into uh, what you can see at the big league level. And you know what, man? He's got a shit ton of flair. And we saw that firsthand sitting right above the dugout when the umpire completely blew a call where Bo was completely safe. We could see that from our seats. And he just stared him down. I, I don't want to ever be on the receiving end of a Bo Bichette glare. That was uh, kind of scary to see. But, uh, no, he is the real deal. And Blue Jays fans should be excited about him. Yeah, I think I got to put that into even more perspective for you, other than the fact that he got right on the umpire about this whole call because it was a night and day safety. It was like literally you hear the clap of the base, and then you saw the got the first baseman of the Clippers physically grab the ball. It was within two seconds. <laughs> that in that order, obviously. So the best part was, I think, Devon White having to kind of push back Bobochet into the dugout, and he goes, no, I got this, don't worry about it, who is the first base coach for the Buffalo Bisons. But this all occurred, Brendan, when they were already losing, what, six to nothing at the time? And he's still fully committed to that ball game. Yeah, no, that uh, shows the competitor he is and how fiery he is out there. He just wants to win, man. He could say, he'll tell every single at bat, just the way he plays the game. He's a, he's a gamer, and it's so easy to see how and why he will be likely to become a fan favorite. He may be right up there tied with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for Blue Jays fans' favorite player just because of how much flair he plays with, how good he is, and just how electric he is. It's a, you can't say enough good things about Bo Bichette, and I think the rest of the baseball industry agrees. The only thing you didn't allude to is our wonderful new friends. The girls in the group were obviously all over the flow in his wonderful hair. You can almost hear it glistening from here. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, his flow is pretty epic. Epic bow flow. <laughs> but other than that, unfortunately, Sean Reed Foley did what he had been doing in that start. I honestly think he might be a little overworked after pitching Thursday and then pitching this, at least 100 pitches on Sunday. Looked really good, Brendan, through two, three, maybe even the fourth inning. And then all of a sudden it, it was the, the home run and the grand slam that really ate him up. And they kind of left him out the dry a little bit. Yeah, I don't quite understand why Sean Reed Foley went out there on Sunday because he had pitched Thursday, as you mentioned. And I remember when we were waiting in line for the gates to open to get our Vladdy bobbleheads. Two hours um, early, fans. Yeah, exactly. The line was crazy, and I don't even think Bison's employees or staff were inspecting, uh, expecting that kind of a crowd. But, yeah, he looked really good the first time through the order, even a bit through the second time, but uh, the wheels fell off, and that's kind of been the story of Sean Reed Foley throughout his uh, major league career, save for a few starts, and his whole minor league career as well. He puts things together for one time through, and then it kind of falls apart for him, but I definitely agree I think the fact that he had pitched on Thursday as well and turned around on completely short rest uh, definitely played into that. Because you could tell when he was walking off the mound, he was gassed. And there was almost, almost a kind of a point where he was looking out at the boy, bull, bullpen going, what the hell, what, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he did actually look out the bullpen, which is crazy. You were completely right. I forgot about that. He, he definitely, at one point, I think after giving up like a fluke base hit or a single or whatever, he looked over at the bullpen to see if anybody was warming up. and I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not, but <laughs> might, probably just because he was completely gassed. <laughs> yeah. 
My, I just think it's hilarious that they did that with him. And then on the flip of that, they had lefty Taylor Sacito in, who honestly I was very impressed with, Brendan. And he's been very good. That's the first time I've seen him since Lansing in person. But um, I was very impressed. But they pulled him out after two, three batters. And obviously it was the guy that hit the grand slam for the Clippers early in the ball game. But I was ready to let him eat in that situation he walked off the mountain you could see where we were sitting somebody clearly asked him what are they taking you out for he just kind of like went i don't know shook his head <laughs> yeah i was shocked just as much as you were and everybody that we were sitting with especially uh our buddy on twitter at sw smith the guy with the epic time hinky photo uh as his avatar but uh yeah i, I believe at one point Cecito was pitching with no balls and 12 strikes, and he got three or four outs uh, without throwing a ball. He just looked so locked in. His delivery was nice and smooth. And you know what? I think you saw a potential lefty or just even just a bullpen arm in general for after the trade deadline if guys like Daniel Hudson and, and uh, Ken Giles are gone and they need some bullpen arms. But, yes, Aceto was uh, extremely impressive. Uh, yesterday afternoon. To give Blue Jays fans the entire line, he's almost got 40 innings in Buffalo. He's got five wins with a 2.27 ERA. And that's even with him starting four games. So this is a guy that's been kind of dancing on that line of being in the rotation or a bullpen spot, Brendan. But very, very cool. And honestly, I think other than what we you alluded to, that he was probably my biggest takeaway, that we have another guy that could be a Brett Cecil type in our, line, in our rotation, bullpen, or whatever at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I think that uh, you can definitely take that away from Cecilio's outing and just being able to see him in person. It was really cool, man. I mean, that was my first minor league game. I've never been to Bison's games before, so it was kind of cool to see some of the kids. Uh, you really have a connection with that team, especially because of how many of them in Buffalo have actually been up with the Blue Jays at some point this year. But uh, I think, yeah, Bo, Cecilio, how bad Sean Reed Foley was or just how much he unraveled. Uh, clearly were the biggest takeaways from Sunday and I think the entire weekend because there wasn't much to take away from Saturday's game. Yeah, so highlight of your trip, other other than your random ride home with our new friends. (laughs) Yeah, other than the uh, unexpected ride home, which was very, very appreciated. Shouts out to uh, at PunkWitch on Twitter uh, because when we were driving by, we didn't even go over the Peace Bridge. We went uh, all the way down to Queenstown, Lewiston, because the lineup of cars and trucks that were trying to get over to Canada was insane. So if that was me on the bus, I wouldn't have been home until probably 8 or 9 o'clock. I, I kid you not, that was how bad the border crossing was at that time. But, uh, yeah, other than that, um, I mean, Pearl Street Brewery was awesome <laughs> after the game on Saturday night, watching that crazy lightning storm that just didn't ever hit the city, those epic fireworks that uh, sounded like a war zone. And, uh, and the Italian festival down the street. <laughs> yeah, no, that's completely right. Well, that was definitely uh, sound war yeah, zone ish. No. <laughs> it uh, sounded like that for sure. It uh, it was a good weekend all around, and I'm looking forward to the next time uh, that happens. Yeah, and um, I have a couple game plans of things that we might be for your future planning list in the next year or not too. That I think you, me, and some of our other friends might be able to get in on, but. Brendan, it was a great weekend. I'm glad we were able to do that. But I think uh, I'm going to let you cue into our wonderful interview here with our new friend, uh, Kendall Williams. Yeah, Blue Jays fans will give you the next 10, 15 minutes or so. We are going to play you the interview that we have with Kendall Williams before recording this podcast. 
And, uh, yeah, by all means, send us feedback on how we did. That was our first time actually having a legitimate guest on. Not that our other guest went legitimate. I guess I should actually say a <laughs> baseball player in the Blue Jays organization. We love our guests. That's in your uh, so tenure here, man. I've had players way. on the show by myself. Come on. <laughs> it, it, exactly, exactly. Yeah, Patrick, Patrick uh, Murphy's been exactly one of my right. favorite ones. If anybody wants to go dive in through the archives of our uh, wonderful stuff here on Anchor.fm or wherever you're getting your podcasting pleasures from for Jaybird watching. But it, it's been fun. And, uh, Kendall was one, one of the better ones we've had on in a while. So it was good to get some good stories out of him. And I guess we're just going to hit the play button on that for you folks right here. Press play now. Hello, Blue Jays fans. Welcome back to another episode of Jaybird Watching. We are privileged to be joined today by Blue Jays second-round pick Kendall Williams. Kendall, how are you, man? I'm pretty good, man. How about you? Not too bad, not too bad. It's uh, quite warm up here in Toronto, and my co-host Craig Borden, who's also on the line from Rochester. Kendall, we thank you both. For, or we, we both thank you for coming on the line with us. Craig, I'm going to let you kick things off with a few questions that you want to ask Kendall, and then I'll ask mine just for the purposes of keeping this interview nice and clean and easy. So, Craig, the floor is yours. So, uh, first thing i got to ask is how the hell is the weather in Dunedin? Because we were enjoying a game at the Buffalo Bisons game the last couple of games, uh, Kendall, and I'm just assuming it's been uh, a nice transition into Florida weather from you know, down there and everything. Yeah, it's been pretty brutal. Um it's really, really hot day in, day out. Like, we start early in the morning, and it's 90 degrees at 8 o'clock, and it's 105 by the time it's 2 in the afternoon. But baseball weather, you get used to it. Okay, so as far as – I wanted to start off things, Olivia, a little bit uh, light here, Kendall, and I'm just going to start off by going blatantly into favorite baseball movie growing up. Let the Blue Jays fans get to know you on a personal level a little bit. Uh, Probably The Sandlot. I grew up watching that movie. Like, me and my boys would always watch it, like, in my basement or in my, like, game room upstairs. And it was just always, like, a childhood favorite. Yeah, it doesn't get much better than a beast and uh, outrunning and pickling the beast and everything like that. And, uh, of course, killing me smalls, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir. I'm sure that that is still, um, because at least me goofing around with my friends playing slow pitch softball and whatnot, that is still the common uh, vocabulary amongst all baseball players. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a classic all right, cool stuff. So now you got. We talked about your favorite movie. How about who? Do you, who are your influences glo- growing up? Who are your favorite players that you really were drawn to while you were watching baseball as a kid? Uh, like growing up, I was a big Jeter fan. I just liked the way he played the game, the respect that he had for the game and opponents, and just the respect that everyone had for him. Like everyone knew he was in a building. Like his presence was well known, and I just think he has and always will be one of the best players to ever play baseball. I don't think many will argue with you on that one, Kendall. <laughs> no, I completely agree. That's a good it's, answer for sure. But, um, and that's, honestly, that's one of the only ones. Like, he was just my idol. Yeah. I grew up being a Roberto Alomar fan for a lot of those same reasons, so I can hear you 110% yeah. on that. Just a class act, does everything right on the field, leaves it all out there. And I kind of heard that you're kind of in that similar mold of player as far as just going out there and grinding everything out every day. Is that how you see yourself? I try to be. Yes, sir. That's that's kind of how my dad raised me. That's the way I want to play the game. That's the way I want to be perceived by fans, friends, family, everything. That's 
great. That's awesome. That's the exact kind of guys we love having in the dugout and having on our show here to chit-chat and talk with, man. So very cool stuff, and I'm uh, glad that you have somebody as cool as Derek Jeter to look up to. <laughs> so, outside of being drafted this season by the uh, Blue Jays, and obviously you had the Vanderbilt stuff and everything going all at once, outside those moments, do you have a favorite baseball movie that, moment that you would like to share with the Blue Jays fans? Um, when I was 12, I was in Louisiana for like a, some little world series or tournament with my travel ball team. And I didn't know at the time, but somehow I developed like a shellfish allergy. And so we were having like dinner with the whole baseball team and stuff. And I like broke out. I couldn't, like, I, my face swelled up. I passed out. I couldn't really breathe. Oh, wow. I had to go to the hospital, like, that night and ended up not leaving the hospital until, like, 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, something like that. And I had the wow. championship game at 9 the next morning. And I think I threw, like, a two-hitter or something like that. It was, really crazy. And my face was still swollen. My eyes were still really, like, sensitive to light. But I kind of just pulled it out. And that's probably been my favorite one and always will be. That is impressive, Craig. If you don't mind me stepping oh, in there, and that that is impressive. <laughs> that uh, Kendall, that is a great story and definitely one that I'm sure you'll get asked about in the future. But no, that's uh, that's crazy. You got two hitter as well, and even though your eyes were all swollen up and whatnot, that's uh, that is quite an accomplishment, my friend. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, was that one of those ones that you were just hoping the catcher was putting down like a number one down behind the plate every pitch, or <laughs> just rearing back and oh, yeah, the fire? <laughs> Everything was hit or miss, but that's, I think it just worked out the way it was supposed to. Everything happens for a reason. There you go. And that sounds exactly like what you were just talking about with the Derek Jeter thing. You just wanted to get out there and help your team out one way or the other, and you you did that immensely even regardless of what's going on around you. <laughs> so very, very cool, man, and I appreciate that story. Brendan, I yes, think sir. it's your turn. No problem. <laughs> yeah, I got a few for you, Kendall, just more on a, I guess more of a baseball level than uh, Blue Jays fans getting to know you. Uh, currently, from what I understand on MLB.com, they gave you the grades on your pitches. You throw a fastball, curveball, slider, changeup. What pitch are you currently the most comfortable throwing, and which pitch are you looking forward to working on the most with the Blue Jays coaching staff? I would say I have plus comfortability with my changeup, any count, any hitter. Like I'm just very, very comfortable with it. It doesn't really matter the situation. That's always my go-to. Um, I think that mostly contributes to the fact that my dad was always worried about me throwing breaking balls growing up. And so I threw fastball change up until I was 14, almost 15 years old. And so that had to be where that came from. And that really has helped me out and got me to kind of where I am right now. But on the flip side of that, I think not throwing the breaking ball earlier, that's the pitch that I'm kind of working on now. Like it used to be a curveball. And now it's developed into more of like a hard slider. And so I'm kind of trying to perfect that and just understand more in depth the way I need to use it and when I should throw it and how. Oh, awesome. And if Blue Jays fans love their pitchers who can throw change-ups with Marco Estrada being here just a few years ago and how he was just able to use that pitch to really get hitters out. It's crazy how much the, the change-up has evolved over the course of the year to really be an out pitch for guys. Uh, so it's yeah, great it's very yeah, absolutely. It's great that you have the uh, the handle on the changeup already, and the off speed stuff will come too, man. It really will, and uh, I'm sure you're looking forward to getting in there with uh, the Blue Jays coaching staff and whatnot. 
Uh, question for you in terms of what the Blue Jays' plans for you are, because you're in Dunedin right now, as you said earlier. Uh, where are they actually going to be assigning you to? Are you actually on the Dunedin Blue Jays, or have they made a plan for you yet? No, so I'm just in short season rookie ball, or the GCL right now. They're coming okay. As far as I know and what I've been told to this point is they're going to take everything really slow with me just because at IMG we didn't have a state championship and so my season finished at the beginning of May. And so tomorrow will actually be my like pro debut, but I haven't pitched live to hitters in a game in over two months. And so they're slowly building me back up and I'm kind of a little bit behind everybody else right now. But uh, as far as next year, I'm not sure. I would assume that I'd be in a little different situation, like with a different affiliate, but, you know, whatever happens, happens. Awesome. Who have you, uh, just two more for you before we let you run, uh, who that uh, has been drafted with the Blue Jays in this past draft class have you drawn particularly close to? I've seen on your Instagram stories that uh, Alec Manoa has been around there too, so he seems like a, a bit of a fun guy as well, but is there anybody that you've met so far that uh, you've bro- uh, grown particularly close to? Uh, yeah, me and Alec are definitely boys. Um, and Dasan Brown, our third rounder, he's from Canada. He just got here about a week and a half ago, and he's really, really cool. He's probably one of my closest friends that I've made since I've been here besides Alec. And we kind of just all hang out, do everything together. I mean, we're around each other 24-7, and so obviously it doesn't take long for you to get really close in that certain situation. And I'm really happy that we're all here together. Absolutely, man. It's really key, obviously, as you know, getting along with your teammates because you see them much more than you see your family, especially once you get going through the course of a season and grinding through the minor league calendar. And, uh, Kendall, we'll wrap things up with one more, kind of like a little fun question before we let you get on with your day. Uh, Before you got drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays, what did you know about Toronto or Canada as a whole? Um, Honestly, not much. Like, I'm just now starting to scratch the surface on Canada and what all it has to offer and things like that. Um, I always, like, thought that the Blue Jays would be a really cool option just because they're the only team that has not only a city but a whole country backing you up. So the fan base is obviously substantial, and I think that's a huge part in any sport or any game. And so I've always loved that about it. And then, I mean, I'm a big traveler, so I guess going to Canada – would be really cool and just kind of having that availability to do that and go play baseball for sure i'm not sure if you saw the reaction from the raptors winning the nba title but i know alec manoa was all over that on social media right after he got drafted it was crazy and i know craig and i (laughs) i know craig and i only hope that you and alec and everybody else is coming through the system right now and hopefully some of the guys still on the roster will be able to bring another title to toronto sometime soon but kendall I can speak for Craig. I can speak for myself. We thank you so much for coming on with us and taking the time out of your day. Uh, We wish you all of the best uh, through your minor league career and stay healthy. That's the biggest key going through the minor league system. But, again, we thank you for coming on with us and sharing some of your insights and uh, getting people to learn more about you, the Blue Jays' second-round pick. So thank you so much, Kendall. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. No problem, man. I appreciate the time, and I'll, I'll be in touch. That sounds Absolutely, great. Well, I'd man. love Thanks to have you so on much. and talk some more minor league baseball at some point here, Kendall, after you get off to your roaring start, we hope. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, I'll talk to you guys later and, and enjoy your night, and we'll keep in touch for sure.
Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Kendall. Thank you. Yes, sir. No problem. Yep. Bye-bye. All right. First off, what a wonderful chat we had with Kendall Williams, Brendan, and very thank yous all over the board for setting that up. That was that went too easy. He's a great kid. Yeah, absolutely. It uh, it was easy to get uh, organized as well. I mean, for future uh, podcasters or people who are currently doing it, if you follow some of these guys in the miners, they're often riding buses long distances and on their Instagram feeds. Uh, with that cool feature where you can submit questions or they're just taking their followers' questions. Uh, I was able to submit one asking if he'd be interested in coming on the pod. I also sent it to Alec Manoa, uh, who never got back to me, but uh, we were one for two on getting we guys from, from doing bus. that. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> we'll get Alec Manoa on one day. All are hopefully. welcome here on JR uh, Launching. Fans, players, uh, everybody absolutely. alike. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't discriminate but yeah he's a good kid and um, again I will say we kept it short didn't want to take up too much of his time because we know he's very busy uh, and working on his craft uh, as you heard taking things very slowly he's only 18 years old and I think that's very smart of the Blue Jays organization to be extra cautious with uh, Kendall Williams yeah he sounds like he's got all the right tools and definitely 110 billion times over it sounds like he has the right mindset and you all heard the story and everything of how he ground out that uh, start even after having an allergic reaction. I can't believe that. I love being on the field as much as anybody else, but I don't think I would have been able to keep up on that, and that's more power to him. But those are the kind of guys that you want to have out on the team, and if he's going to be out there grinding out every pitch and help trying to do anything and everything he can to help his team win, Brendan, this is a guy that's going to be fun to watch for the next few years. Yeah, I also really took away from that interview, Craig, uh, how much he was uh, throwing and working on a changeup when he was younger. I think it's actually quite smart, the approach that he took uh, with the help and guidance of his dad, where he primarily threw fastballs and changeups to not put too much stress on his arm by throwing off speed stuff. You can pick up on off speed stuff through other teammates throughout your minor league system. Coaches can teach you new grips, but... I think one thing that we've seen, especially lately, is how effective a changeup can be. And we brought that up in the interview, referring to Marco Estrada and how much Blue Jays fans loved his changeup. So I think he's going to be a good one, man. I really do. He's already got really good command as his uh, grades have come out since he's been drafted. Uh, his fastball is at 55, which is uh, in between average and above average, same with his curveball. But uh, as he he's mentioned, grow out. Uh, and was quite. Yeah, as he mentioned, he's quite humble about he's got to work on his off-speed stuff a little bit with uh, with the coaching staff throughout his uh, minor league journey. And if he puts that together, man, he looks like he's going to have three to four really good pitches. And if that's the case, a guy who's 6'6", 208, he, uh, he can be a front-of-the-line rotation guy, I hope. Yeah, I thought that was interesting about the, the uh, change-ups and fastballs thing in his younger days anyways, because actually, funny enough, here in New York, in the area that I am, in District 5, they actually do not let you until you're in the 14, 15, 16-year-old league, throw anything but fastballs and change-ups. There's yeah. not meant to be any no, of the um, anything that looks like you're clearly snapping off a curveball or something like that is the idea. Cause it's, it, it's, not good, it's not healthy for kids' elbows. And you, know, you wonder how much of that is that in uh, other leagues that might be leading to some of these Tommy John surgeries to kids in high schools. And... You're putting miles on your arm without thinking about it when you're torquing it like that, and it's just another thing. That's something, honestly, I, I'm, like you said, it's, it is a development tool. He's going to be smarter for getting pit hitters out by knowing how to change speeds. It's that simple. 
Yeah, absolutely. And if he can do that already, he won't have to learn that. That's one thing that pitchers have a really tough time doing when they're going through the minor leagues and once they first get to the big leagues on how to effectively change speeds. And if he's been able to do that already, I think he's a little bit ahead of the curve, even though he did admit in that little interview there that uh, he may feel he's behind the curve a little bit by taking things slowly in his season going into May. Uh, I think he's going to be a quick study. Um, and I would not be surprised just based off his makeup and mindset if we see him here when he's 21, 22 years old, and that's only three years away, four years away at most. I would not be surprised if he's a quick riser through the minor league system. So, regardless of what we were doing in Buffalo over the weekend, the Toronto Blue Jays were on a field trip out to Detroit where things went pretty well, as we would have guessed throughout that. They were in every game, and they ran away with one of them. <laughs> but yesterday's yeah. was a little rough, but it, in all reality, a very successful road trip against a team that we probably should have been having nothing but walking all over. But, you know, you get that third game in the series, that happens. <laughs> Yeah, and such a long road trip, too. It feels like forever since the Blue Jays have been uh, playing a game in Toronto, which they're doing tonight with uh, Mr. Ryan Barucki making his major league day, de- or sorry, his uh, uh, season debut tonight, uh, which is very exciting and a jolt to the rotation. But no, they uh, they did what they had to do against the Tigers. They took a, a series, two games uh, out of three. Uh, they almost swept them. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel with that game tying home run in the ninth last night. and. Castellanos unfortunately walked it off for Detroit in the tenth inning yesterday, but they they took care of business on Friday quite epically, as you mentioned. And uh, Saturday, I think the whole talking point was Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s first career Grand Slam, which they played in the stadium uh, at uh, Salem Field in Buffalo too, which got a nice little uh, cheer from the crowd. Yeah, on Vladdy Bobblehead Day, we could have gotten a nice cheer. <laughs> I think uh, the nicest uh, thing we get more. out of this. Oh, God, sorry. So I think the nicest thing we got out of this is the fact that the Blue Jays' bats were back on point. I know it was against a lesser, quote-unquote, pitching staff and the Tigers, but the fact that this is a young team having these confidence-boost games like this is key. You want to, they, they had over 20 runs in this um, series against the Tigers, and that's some momentum that they'll hopefully carry into Cleveland this evening as we're recording this show. But everybody in this lineup on Friday night against the Tigers in that 12 to one victory man had a hit. The only person that didn't have a hit was Justin smoke. And he managed to contribute with a sack fly still and scored a run after being walked twice at over three, but <laughs> come on, you still found a way to get in on everything. And the fact that you had yeah. Eric Sogard and Galvis and Vladdy all going three for, you know, five or six, insane plus a Teoscar bomb too yeah I mean I, I just think you're seeing them being able to beat up on uh, lesser competition and, and lesser pitchers uh, not to discredit any major league pitcher because they're in the big leagues for a reason but the Detroit Tigers are not a very good team the rotation is not overly good either and if the Blue Jays are already beating up on teams that they should be beating up on like the Orioles and like the Detroit Tigers and once they get better and grow as uh, individuals and as players, and they continue to get better, they will beat better teams and better competition. I think the road trip as a whole was quite good. Even though they dropped two out of three to the Yankees and three out of four to the Red Sox, they were in every single game, uh, and they took two out of three from the Tigers. So I honestly think, man, is a, a series where you can really see the growth of this team and how close they at least offensively are to being a juggernaut offense as soon as next year, which would be fantastic. Bingo, my friends. I think that's exactly what you nailed. But 
we might have seen one of the juggernauts in our rotation possibly pitch his way out of Toronto in his last outing. Marcus Stroman on Friday evening throws seven in seven innings of great baseball. Picks up his sixth win, six hits, no earned runs, five strikeouts, and doesn't walk a batter. Another immaculate level of start from Marcus Stroman and... I think it's coming, especially with how you are hearing more and more teams getting in on this whole thing by the day, it almost sounds, Brendan. I think the most recent rumor I saw was the fact that the Phillies and the Astros are also in on Stroman. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i going to the game on Wednesday, and Marcus Stroman is the scheduled starter for Toronto. I still fully expect him to not make that start. I uh, The rumors are seeming to pick up a little bit, uh, as you mentioned, the Phillies and the Astros. I still remain... Uh, a little, I wouldn't, I'm not sure the, well, I'm not sure. I, I still think the Braves could be on it, even though they've said that they're not. There may be some, still some resentment between Alex Anthopoulos and Mark Shapiro for the way things went down at the end of AA's career, but you gotta make trades with guys to get, make your team better. And Talk I don't think more. personal, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't think personal relationships would come in the middle of making a trade to make your team better, especially if it's Strowman, who Anthopolis knows and drafted uh, and loves. when he was the Blue Jays. <laughs> and, and loves, yeah. Josh Donaldson used to be teammates with. So, no, the market for him is really picking up. Uh, I think we're going to see another team potentially be rumored to go in after Strowman because Brandon Woodruff, one of the Milwaukee Brewers' best pitchers, just went on the injured list and could be out for a little while. So I think it's safe to say the Brewers could be added to that list, and they have a pretty good farm system as well. But, yeah, I, uh, I'm i not expecting to see Strom on Wednesday. I just, I'm kind of expecting to see uh, either a bullpen day or not. And if Stroman happens to go, it could be his last ever start in Toronto. I think we'll say that for a few more times. But, uh, yeah, could give him a nice little send-off if he actually does go out there and starts on Wednesday. I think it's funny you nailed that because I was actually thinking about talking about that. I almost want him to have that Jose Bautista moment where he could you know, tip his hat to the crowd and walk out. But I don't know. I really would be shocked if it draws out too long with uh, him being one of the better ones on the market because it almost sounds like the Giants haven't made up their mind on Madison Bumgarner or if they want to run with it or not. I think that'd be a huge mistake if the Giants decide not to just tear it down and trade Bumgarner and everybody. But I'm not in that GM office. I would be <laughs> very confused if they just decided to stick with it. But in all reality, is Mad Bomb, uh, Madison Bumgarner on the same level to you as Stroman at this point? Yeah, but Mad Bum in the last few years been dealing with a lot of injuries. Uh, he has a lot of wear and tear on his arm. Um, and he still is the guy who was so instrumental to the Giants winning World Series in 2010. 2012 and 2014, so I think people would buy into that. But in terms of a guy in Marcus Stroman, you'd be getting an extra year of control over. So for two playoff runs instead of just one, I can't remember what Mad Bum's contract situation is like. At Pretty sure he's time. a free agent but in the season, too. I think, you, I think you're right. So you would only get Mad Bum for one postseason run, and he's older than Marcus Stroman. Not by a whole lot, I don't believe, but uh, yeah, I if I think Marcus Stroman has to be considered one of the best trade options on the uh, on the market right now, and they better cash in on Marcus Stroman as a trade chip because they could get a lot for him, and they can't afford to botch this. Much like we discussed in our last episode, if the J Hat trade is in that botch category or not, they got to nail this one with Marcus Stroman. But uh, it would be nice to give them one more send off, one more pitch in Toronto, or one more start in Toronto. 
Uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, I still do not believe I'll be seeing him on Wednesday, but you never know. Cool beans, man. So Ken Giles and other company, obviously the major talk of trades and whatnot, but we're going to, we talked enough about that last week. Let's t- dive into this evening a little bit where Ryan Barucki is taking the mound again and how exciting the fact that as we actually have one of the guys we were supposed to start the season with finally healthy, my friend. Yeah, it's going to be really nice to see Ryan Barucki go out there, get back on the mound, and really go and hopefully continue what he ended his season on last year, which was really good stuff. Mid to high three ECRA, which is perfect for a middle of the rotation arm. Uh, just as long as he stays healthy, it would suck to see him go back out there and come back down in a few starts with some more arm issues or, or uh, soreness or whatever it was that Ryan Barucki was going through. But uh, this kid is supposed to be and could very well be a key member of this rotation uh, for the next three to four or five years. Uh, and we need as much Ryan Barucki as possible out there to solidify a rotation spot. Unfortunately, uh, Trent Thornton went on the injured list, but as we've said, going into next year, you can pretty much pencil in Matt Shoemaker, Trent Thornton, and Ryan Barucki as maybe even the top three in your rotation, throwing Aaron Sanchez. Ryan Barucki's going to have to be really good, and I think he can be relied upon every fifth day to give you a quality start and keep your team in the ball game. It's very rare last year that we saw Ryan Barucki have a complete meltdown or games where he got completely rocked. There was maybe two, I can remember, and they're both against the Yankees and Red Sox. So he, he's good, man. I really am very happy to see Ryan Barucki back and healthy on the mound tonight. Yeah, I'm, uh, I was jumping to handsprings. I was hoping we were going to see him yesterday, but <laughs> I couldn't be uh, faulting that fact that he's going to be pitching in Toronto, especially against somebody like Clevenger. The, uh, we, could, we have a chance to take a few from the Cleveland Indians who still haven't really found form. They've definitely been playing better lately, but they, the Indians don't – Think, I don't know. They think they're even in this playoff race, do they? <laughs> they yeah, be. I don't know. They <laughs> seem to be stuck in neutral. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just, yeah. It just seems weird to me that they're, you know, there's the, the always the random talk about Kluber or even Clevenger being traded right now. It's like, what is going on? Shouldn't you guys be pushing for the playoffs, not trading one of your best arms? It just seems backwards to me. But maybe that's how they get the few Trevor pieces Bauer. they need. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Trevor Bauer has been in trade talks as well over the last little while. I think he's supposed to start tonight or tomorrow for the Indians, which seems a little crazy that they trade him. But he gets I, I a chance to like he gets a chance to pitch against Aaron Sanchez tomorrow, <laughs> so he's going to get a win. Yeah, tomorrow night. <laughs> so he should get a win. <laughs> yes, but uh, I guess the Indians maybe kind of want to add to their prospect pool to try to extend their window. Uh, that's the only thing I can think of. And Trevor Bauer's about to get really expensive over the next two years. Uh, so that's the only thing I can think of. And you still got Clevenger and Bieber and Danny Salazar, who we saw in Buffalo yesterday on his rehab assignment. Coming looked really back, good. Uh, trying to, he did look really good. He uh, went out there and, and shoved the Buffalo Bisons for quite a few innings before they, they broke through for some runs later in uh, the ballgame against the Clippers bullpen. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's very interesting to see what the Indians are up to right now in terms of pushing for a playoff spot or not. I mean, they are 57-41, and 41, but they do got some work to do with the Minnesota Twins in the wild card race as well. So, I um, we got to bring this up, man, because obviously one of our favorite players of all time has been enshrined in the Baseball Hall of Fame as of yesterday while we were at the ball game. And honestly, I don't know if you've had a chance to watch the Hall of Fame induction stuff with Randy Halliday doing the speech for him, but I just can't believe the overwhelming support 
that she got with, from not just the new induction class with Edgar Martinez and company, but the fact that all the other Hall of Famers were standing by her the whole time. and just, I couldn't believe it. It was just insanely good to watch. Great speech, and obviously sad at the same time, but also very, very happy to see one of our favorite players be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame, Brendan. Absolutely. I still have to watch Brandy's speech. I haven't had the chance to listen to it yet, but Twitter summed it up pretty well yesterday while we were at the ball game, while we were driving home, all the reaction from Brandy Halliday's speech seemed like it was really powerful, as it should be. Uh, unfortunately, he wasn't, is, is not able to be there uh, to get himself enshrined into the hall, but uh, Brandy, the two kids, Braden, who was actually drafted by the Blue Jays this past draft, uh, likely Round going 32. to Penn State. <laughs> exactly. That's uh, too fitting. Uh, drafted by the Blue Jays around 32. But, uh, yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to uh, watching, and hopefully the waterworks don't come up, which I suspect they may. Trust me, my friend, they're coming. <laughs> it was one of those things that I think she summed it up perfectly, and I think this even metaphor carried well for her speech. It was perfectly imperfect, and you have to work hard at something to do a really good job at it. And that's all Roy Halladay, and obviously his family is attested to that work ethic. And it's going to be very interesting to see where um, the, the undrafted Holiday and everybody else go. I'm going to be watching that, clo- that Penn State career very, very closely. <laughs> yeah, I may have to watch a few uh, Braden Holiday starts and see what he does. I don't think he's going to be signing with the Blue Jays. It's looking like he's going to be going to Penn State, unlike Kendall Williams, who they were able to convince to not go to Vanderbilt. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I'm definitely going to be following Braden's career. I hope maybe if he goes back to Vanderbilt and re-enters the draft in a few years, the Blue Jays can get him. But I suspect that as he grows as a pitcher, he will only get better, put on more people's radars, and probably be a pretty high pick, much higher than the 32nd round. So we'll have to see if they can snag him. Yeah, because um, maybe everybody's going to start picking up what the Blue Jays did with the whole bloodline thing. <laughs> right? You know, we have all these juniors on the team. <laughs> that are getting to the point where they're raking Loris Gurriel Jr., Kevin Biggio, Vladdy Jr. <laughs> the list just keeps going all the way down to you get to Griffin Conine, son of the Barbarian. <laughs> Kids is still matching in uh, Lansing. So it's going to be very interesting to see where somebody like Brayton Holiday ends up uh, eventually yeah. in his major league career, I would assume. So, But anyway, yeah. Brendan, do you have... I... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I would assume I would assume he gets to the major leagues at, uh, someday. I hope I hope so, because he seems like a good kid, and he was born in Toronto. He is Canadian and eligible to pitch for Team Canada. That's too fun. <laughs> so, Brendan, our picks two clicks over the last few week at, weeks. Right now, you're tied, you and me, with our guest spot also being one 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 across the board. Who are you thinking and leaning on for this coming week to possibly be your breakout candidate to, to you know, get away from this trifecta of a tie that we got going on right now? Yeah, I uh, I kind of flip-flopped the last little while. I can't remember who my last one was, but I'm pretty sure it was an offensive guy. It may have been Kevin Biggio, uh, but I can't quite remember who I it was. Written so down I'm gonna go the last back one was Grichik. Uh, Randall Grichik, okay. So I'm going to stay far away from him. I'm also <laughs> going to stay away from... Uh, I'm also going to stay away from uh, the offense. Uh, I'm going to go with Daniel Hudson. Daniel Hudson has had a really good season so far. He's pitched way into being a trade chip for this team at the deadline, 
And if he continues to go up there, mow guys down, maybe pick up a few saves if Ken Giles is not available on a particular night, it's only going to continue to increase Daniel Hudson's trade value. So I am going to go out and say that over the course of this homestand, Daniel Hudson does not give up more than two runs uh, and continues to be a really effective bullpen arm that ultimately ends up getting traded and gets the Blue Jays a piece uh, at the deadline. I think it's odd that you went on a trade chip too because I'm going to make the guess that Stroman is going to get that start on Wednesday in Toronto, and I am going to say he's going to be lights out epic because of the, you know, him feeding off the environment if that might be his last start. I'm thinking he's going to run with it, and it's going to be really cool to watch, and we will get a good, you know, curtain call kind of like moment at the end of the game from Marcus Stroman. Um, He's my pick to click for this week. And I think what we'll do for this – oh, go ahead. No, I think it's a good one. I uh, I completely agree, and I would not be surprised if he goes out there and throws a gem on Wednesday. So I think with the guest spot, uh, Blue Jay fans, what we're going to do is we're going to throw it out to the Twitter account and see who wants to vote for the pick to click, and well, maybe we'll think of some fun way to have uh, those guests that do pick something. Maybe we'll have you on for a quick 10-minute spot or a full interview here on the show, one or the other, and I think that would be a fun way to get that spot filled in our scorecard this week. Brendan, what do you think? Yeah, I, uh, I'm actually kind of tempted uh, when the link to this episode gets posted for picks to click is tag some of the new friends we made at uh, the Bison's game yesterday and see if they want to enter because there was definitely some interest among some of the people that were at the game with us to come on the show, especially uh, at Ruth Capellis, uh, who we met yesterday, uh, at S.W. Smith, uh, as we mentioned already, and at Punkwitch, too. So I think uh, we can toss it up to those three and anybody else who wished to join in on the fun. Yeah, we'll give them the guest pro- guest spot by proxy on our pick to click because we hung out with them for three hours at the ball game. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's going to be many of the conversations we already had with everybody, but it'll be a good time regardless in the Twitter chat. So, other than that, Brendan, do you got anything else on your mind? I just hope that uh, these guys who are trade ships uh, and candidates stay healthy. I just don't want to see what's gone on the last few years and trade chips getting injured right before the deadline. I know there's still a whole uncertainty towards Ken Giles and and how he's truly feeling and Daniel Hudson, who's had a history of arm issues in the past. I just hope he continues to stay healthy. And if Marcus Stroman does make that start on Wednesday, which, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd say that's about 50-50 at this point that he goes out there and has a great game, but just does not get injured. Uh, that's uh, that's all I'm hoping for. I'm going to p- pull our uh, favorite buddy, uh, M. Corsair, knock on desk. <laughs> yes. Knock he heard on you and he's probably sure. freaking out right now. <laughs> yep, I just did too. So you got, uh, you got both of us knocking on the desk there. <laughs> All right. Brendan, another wonderful episode. Great poll on getting Kendall or Kendall uh, Williams on the show. I almost went Kendall Graveman for some reason. Wow, that was going weird. <laughs> um, but anyways, Brendan, it has been a pleasure as always. It was a great trip to, with you this past weekend to Buffalo, sir. And Yeah, man. It's, uh, I'm excited for the next one that we do. It's going to be a good time. Uh, if it's this year, next year, whenever it may be, it's uh, always a good time hanging out with you and uh, looking forward to the next one. Sounds good, my friend. So, Blue Jays fans, until the next hangout here on Podcast Land with all of you, uh, make sure you click those subscribe buttons on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get those podcasting pleasures from. Submit those questions to us on Twitter. Anybody you would like to get us in touch with or whatever, we are all happy to be here in the ballroom chat of Jaybird watching. And, Brendan, until next time, 
Let's go Blue Jays. Let's go Blue Jays. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.